Thank you, Marty. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Well, for the 901st time, I did not break my leg. This is from that sprain that I suffered a year ago. The, uh, it was a real bad sprain, scar tissue. And I went to an orthopedist this last week, and he said that what we need to do is to stretch the muscles around the, the Achilles, and uh, that'll help reduce the pain that I've been going with for the last year. So to do that, they have to force my foot to walk differently, which means I have to wear a cast for at least 20 days and maybe 30 days, which uh, kind of slows me down. I can still talk. I just can't drive. So Gene's going to have to drive me everywhere I go. And uh, you just have to bear with me as we as we uh, plod along, literally. Let's just have a word of prayer, shall we? Jesus is our Redeemer. We're so grateful. And in order to share our gratefulness, we come humbly before you, not as perfect human beings, but as being perfect in Jesus' righteousness. We're just so grateful that you've promised the Holy Spirit to anoint us today. We seek that anointing now. Speak through me. I'm of unclean lips. Share the message from heaven. For we want to hear that directly in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a text that... Every time I read this text... I get a bad feeling, not because the Lord said it, but because of the actual message itself. Take a look at what it says in Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That should bother us. Can you just place yourself in, in these people's place and imagine here's Jesus, you're addressing him as Lord, you call him Lord. Because you know he is the Lord. So it isn't like this is someone that you've never heard of before. And you're stating to him your dedication to him. Only to hear him say, I never knew you. Depart from me. They must be shocked. They're devastated. I did some research and I found out the actual translation should read, many of you will say to me on that day, not in that day, but on that day. And it's referring to the second coming of Jesus when 
The just will be just and the unjust will be unjust. There's no changing of minds. So what these individuals are presenting, they're presenting before the, before the Lord on that day. They're, they're presenting to Him powerful experiences. It isn't like they're not going to church. They are going to church. And they're doing tremendous things. Prophesying, casting out demons, performing miracles. And then to have Jesus say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Why didn't he know them? The King James Version says it's because they worked iniquity. But in the original Greek, the word is actually lawlessness. And sometimes we as Seventh-day Adventists, we sit up straight in our pews and we're, we like this word lawlessness. We try to beat others over the head with a legalistic interpretation of the law. Our emphasis is just solely on the law. But really, if you look at this text, the emphasis is not really on the law or lawlessness, but it's used to describe those who either know him or do not know him. So let's see what knowing Jesus has to do with lawlessness. Shortly before Jesus' death, he sat down with his disciples and he revealed something to them. We find it in John 15, verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What, what Jesus is simply telling them is that knowing Jesus also means following His commands. Jesus, we know, lived a perfect, loving, living, sorry, perfect living here on this earth. He was also loving as well, too. And He was wise and he was powerful. So knowing him is to understand who he is and then a willingness to follow his guidelines. Whatever his guidelines were that he used to live life here on this earth, we want to do the same thing. So it's a commitment that we have to surrender our lives in obedience to his way of life. Maybe we can illustrate it this way. There's a story in the Bible about Jesus. After he had performed some miracles, some of the religious leaders accused him of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. Now we have to understand that Beelzebub was a Syrian pagan God. So to the Jewish leaders, it would be like for us to say that he was casting out demons because he was using the power of Satan. But Jesus said to them, you know, that doesn't make sense. Why would Satan cast out Satan? 
But now look what Jesus says. This story is recorded in only two of the Gospels, two of the four. So look what it says in those two Gospels, the same, the same story. First we'll look at Matthew, Matthew 12, verse 28. Jesus is speaking, he says, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Notice that Matthew says that he's casting out demons by the Spirit of God. Now let's go to the Gospel of Luke, the other place that this story is recorded. And I want you to notice how Luke uses a little different term than what Matthew uses. Luke 11 and verse 20. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Everything is the same except Matthew says the demons are being cast out by the Spirit of God. And Luke says it's being cast out by the finger of God. Can you think of another instance in the Bible when the Bible talks about God's finger? How about Exodus 31 and verse 18? And when he had made an end of speaking with him, that's God speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he, God, gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. If you take what Matthew said about the Spirit of God, casting out demons by the Spirit of God, and what Luke says about casting out demons with the finger of God, then the law, the Ten Commandments, are tied very closely with the Spirit of God, or we would even say that the Ten Commandments were written by the Spirit of God, by His finger. And Jesus is saying, that when you see the spirits being cast out by the Holy Spirit or by the finger of God, he says the kingdom now, the kingdom of God, has now come to you. So what does that have to do with those who believe that they should be saved at the coming of Christ? but are not because they didn't know Jesus. Stop and think. Let's look at the majority of the Christians that live in this world today. Do they accept the commandments of God that were written by His finger? Or do they dismiss them? In their doctrines, they often say that Christ is the end of, of the law, that it was nailed to the cross. Many of the charismatic Christians say that the only way to be able to prove that, that you're being led by God, that you're going in the right direction, is when the Spirit tells you something different by seeing great manifestations in your life that you can't explain by interpreting what the Bible has to say to you. You don't have to take a look at a lot of those things. You can cast out if the Spirit says don't accept these, just throw it out then.
But by making that claim, they are actually rejecting the Spirit of God that they think that they're following. Take a look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So what that is saying is, is the Bible that you are holding in your hands, the Bible that you have in your home, the Bible that you are reading, was really authored by the Holy Spirit. Am I, am I right? Okay. If he authored, if he shared with mankind, with the prophets, what to say and to what to write down, then Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, was also inspired by the Holy Spirit. And within those books that Moses was instructed to write down, in those very words that the Spirit wrote really with his finger, if you want to say that, an expression, that those words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Whenever we follow what the Bible teaches, we then are in tune with the Spirit of God. The kingdom then, the kingdom of God, has come unto us. Because we believe that the Spirit has inspired, and these are the instructions that are coming direct from heaven for us to live in this world. But when we refuse to do or to recognize the teachings in the Bible, then we're no longer following God. And if we're no longer following God, then the kingdom of God is not with me. The Apostle Paul was led by the Holy Spirit as well, too. And a lot of times... These men, when they're led by the Holy Spirit, when they write something, they also include in their writings other inspired writings. So when Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, he quotes in one area, he quotes from the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was led by the Holy Spirit too, wasn't he? Look what he says in Hebrews 8 verse 10. Remember, he's quoting Jeremiah. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So here's the description. How do I know that I am being followed, I am following God, and that He is my God and and I'm His people. He's not going to cast me out. It's when I realize that the laws of God are written in my mind, and I only know that if I study, and it's in my heart. When it's in my heart, that's my will. I am willing to do those things. So the guideline is the law within my heart. The same Spirit that wrote the Ten Commandments with a finger 
is the same spirit that writes those commandments in my mind and in my heart. Now, can I accept that? Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. We go back to that original text. Look what it says again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Remember, they're recognizing him as Lord. They're going to church. Have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me who practice lawlessness. They're not following the law in their head and in their heart. Notice the emphasis on these individuals who are being judged. They uplift prophesying in the Spirit, casting out demons in the Spirit, and doing many strange wonders or miracles in the Spirit. Notice what their emphasis is on. They're claiming their association to, Ju- to Jesus because of miraculous powers within their lives. But Jesus tells them that's not right. Because there is another power that works. And it's not coming from Jesus. Jesus says, depart from me because you've rejected the true spirit. And the way we can tell is because you are practicing lawlessness. The very law you say that has been done away with is what is condemning you. That's what the basis is of the judgment is the law. It is the character of God. And if you want to reveal the character of God within your life, you have to keep the very law that Jesus himself kept. It's not miracles. Remember, the miracles that come to us is only by the Spirit if He sees fit for it to work through you in those miracles. Otherwise, if you keep doing it and saying, this is the only way that I can tell that I'm being led by the Spirit, there is another Spirit that's leading you, but it comes from the devil himself. Lucifer wanted to be God. But he wanted to be God without being like God. Look what it says in the book Desire of Ages, page 435. Had Lucifer really desired to be like the Most High, he would never have deserted his appointed place in heaven. For the Spirit of the Most High is manifested in unselfish ministry. Lucifer, listen to this, Lucifer desires God's power, but not his character. The law reveals the character of God. You do away with the law, you do away with God's character. And so you're following in the exact same footsteps as the devil himself. Satan's strategy, especially now in the days that we're living in, is to... Engage mankind in the same philosophy about religion as he has. I want heaven, but I want it my way, not God's way. And God says, if it's not my way, it's the highway to destruction. 
Review and Herald, June the 26th, 1900. Satan is willing that every transgressor of God's law shall claim to be holy. They're claiming the right to be in heaven because they're saying because the Spirit is being manifested in me by these miraculous things that I have a right to be in heaven. But they're transgressing God's law. This is what he, Satan himself, is doing. He is satisfied when men rest their faith on spurious doctrines and religious enthusiasm, for he can use such persons to good purpose in deceiving souls. There are many professedly sanctified ones who are aiding Satan in his work. They talk much of feeling. They speak of their love for God. But God does not recognize their love, for it is a delusion of the enemy. God has given these persons light, but they have refused to accept it. With the father of lies, they will receive the reward of disobedience. At this very moment, Satan is leading a counterfeit movement of his unholy spirit. People are thinking that they are exercising the power of heaven through these heavenly manifestations, this spectacular display that they can't explain. But they think that it's okay to no longer yield to the heavenly law because in their thinking... The law has been done away with. If you do away with the law, you do away with the one who wrote the law. It's as simple as that. So they are actually worshiping in churches, saying spiritual words, earnestly praying, but they believe more in the supernatural power than they do in the Word of God. They allow this unholy spirit to interpret for them what they think is truth. And they're being caught in a trap. The problem is, is in our own denomination today, many of us are beginning to desire and to feel a need for this unexplainable power, but to do away with the Word of God. There's this need of downplaying the commandments because... They seem too harsh. It's a trend today to gloss over the requirements of God's law. But when we do, we're stepping across the line of no return only to hear Jesus say when He comes, Depart from me, I never knew you, those of you who practice lawlessness. Young Adventists today are leaving the denomination to join. Some of them are joining with other former Adventists whose ministry is to destroy the law in their minds. But even within the denomination, there's a trend to believe that you can still worship God without all the restrictions, rationalizing in their minds that God is a God of love and it doesn't matter to Him how to keep the law. That's your own interpretation. So if you want to do whatever you want to do on the Sabbath day, or if you want to break any of the other commandments, it's okay. 
Second Peter 1, verses 16 to 21. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I well please. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. These men were saying, we're eyewitnesses to the reality of Jesus. He kept the law. He was perfect. He taught us everything that we needed. We needed to put our trust and our faith with us. The study and acceptance of God's Word is the true power of God. The Word of God exists to make you what you were meant to be. Well, what were we meant to be? Well, the, one of the things that I've noticed in, in the last 30 years is that we've gone away from, from accepting the teachings of the Lord. And what's taking place is, is that most of our children do not know the basic Bible stories. That means only one thing. It's not being studied at home. Without the study of the Bible, our children and our grandchildren are being set up to follow the devil's interpretation of the Bible, to dismiss the commandments of God as being archaic and focusing more on the miraculous. Because that's more exciting. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is profitable to our lives so that the man of God may be complete. Do you see where it says thoroughly equipped? The Greek word, if you study it, really means that when something is broken, it must be fixed again and made right. Our lives are broken because of sin. Meaning we will not do a good work for God until we study the scripture and accept the power of God's word to make us right. There's a great byproduct that comes when we study scripture. Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith believes in all of God's teachings be because it is his word. He wrote it. He impressed upon the prophets to write these things down. And that includes the commandments of God. And it's to be a part of us. This is not a time to downplay any part of the scripture and say this part's not important. It's all important. It's time that we live the requirements of God, which includes the law, and we do that by faith. 
1 John 5, 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith is what gives us victory over the world. This faith is far more than just believing that Jesus died on the cross, but that is important. But it's knowing which day is the Sabbath. It's knowing what God expects. It's knowing God's character. Faith is what happens when a person recognizes that Jesus is indeed our Savior and that He's worth trusting. We will do whatever He asks us to do because He has done everything to save us. Faith is really saying yes to God. We're not saved by miracles, but by our faith in God's Word. Romans 14, verse 23, For whatever is not from faith is sin. You see, God's original plan was to spend time with us day to day, face to face. But when sin entered in, which when sin entered in, if you remember, it's trusting the words of Satan instead of the words of God. It caused mankind to shed his robe of righteousness in exchange for filthy rags. Most of mankind was robbed of the precious privilege to be and learn from our Creator. I say most because God has sent some who are prophets who have learned from the Holy Spirit. And heard God speak to them. But God's nearness to us is through that scripture. And I must trust what the Spirit has revealed to them to be given to me to help me. It's really, when I study the scriptures and I begin to learn from them, it is really the Holy Spirit whispering in my ear, this is the way, walk in it. Isaiah 30, verse 21. But we know from the Bible that Satan takes God's Word and he twists it around. He makes us think that we're going to be like God by disobeying the very words of God. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. So really, right now, today, is the time that we need to learn two things, to trust God and to obey His Word. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey.
Father, it's very clear that we're not to abandon your holy word or to reinterpret it. We are to uplift and believe in it. It's time for us to trust and obey, for there's no other way that we can be happy in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.